You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Let's go into the teaching. Proverbs 29, 18. presented in the KJV, please. Hallelujah. It all belongs to you. Oh, it all belongs to you. It all belongs. It all belongs to you. church. I don't know if you remember the lyrics. Take my life and Do you know the song? Media team, could you help? Is it possible for you to get the lyrics as soon as possible? We will just sing like two stanzas. You seem to know the full hymn. making any headway. So like stanza one and stanza two. Stanza one and stanza last. Then we'll go into God's word, I promise. After this we'll preach. Pastor, yes. you help me lead this one because my voice has finished. Okay. I've come to the end of myself. You can do it without the drums. For some reason, I'm beginning to hate the sound of the drums. We got some alpha. Oh 
team and the music team, they are not coordinating. But the point, if any, is mediocre Christianity will not stand in your life. Say amen. amen. You will genuinely be all that God called you to be. As grown as God wants you to be. And you can only do that when you genuinely and totally give yourself over to God. Let there be no part of your life that God cannot have lordship over. Let there be nothing in your life that God will call for and you can't give it to him. We can't, we can't sing, take it all, it all belongs to you. And yet withhold our time from him. Take it all, it all belongs to you, yet withhold our social image from him. Jesus must be on your mind every waking moment, every time you are alive. He must be the object of your desire. That song we sang said, the one I love is ever before me. His seal is upon my heart and I live for the one I love. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 29, 18. Are you there? Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This uh, month, we started a teaching series across our churches and we are teaching on living a life of purpose when you were in school in the university you had three unit courses you had two unit courses you had one unit courses then you had courses that did not have importance zero units zero unit courses those ones that you used to stop the classes I don't care how spiritual you are. You have stabbed one class in school. <laughs> All right. If we were going to rank this month's teaching, it would be a six-unit course project. Because a man's life starts the day he discovers purpose. A man's life, and by man, I mean man and woman. A person's life starts the day he discovers purpose. If you haven't, you've not started living. You don't have a life just yet. You don't have a life just yet. And there are many people who are walking the streets aimlessly. It was Dr. Miles Monroe that said, 
when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. And I, and I think it's true. Are you with me? I think it's true. If, if, if you don't know, I remember when I was young. Now, my mother is very learned. She is a PhD degree holder. You know when you start like they start a story like this, it means you want to shade the person. But you just want to make sure that everybody knows that this person I want to shade is usually normally they have sense. But in this thing they did now, it's not really gel. Good. So someone bought my mom a back scratcher. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those things. It's long and it has like a hand like this. You're supposed to use it too. But my mom didn't know what it was. Even if it was written plainly on it, back scratcher. So my mom thought it was a cooking utensil. Again, I, I would remind you that she's a PhD holder, so. She thought it was a cooking utensil. So she took the back scratcher and one day tried to use it to fry akara. Now that thing is plastic, hot oil. Plastic and hot oil don't really mix. So the thing starts to melt. And then she goes, this thing is fake. So I think I was the one who collected it from her and read what was written on it. And it says, back scratcher. I'm like, mom, this thing is for scratching your back. It's not for frying beans. <laughs> the purpose of a thing is not known. And abuse is inevitable. When the purpose of life is not known, abuse <laughs> is inevitable. It is possible to abuse life. That like my mom, you can take what was meant to bring something else and focus so much on making it into something else. And this is the interesting thing. When that other thing is not working out, you will call it fake. Say, so what is the meaning of life? What's the point of living? When the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. You can't run away from it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. When the people don't have an idea of where they are going to. And what, many of us, many of us, we, we live life. There are two sets of advice that the world gives popularly now that I think are both equally dangerous. The first one is you only live once. It's not true. You will live now, die, then you will not live forever. You only live once absolves you of all senses of accountability. Flex, you only live once. As if you will not answer for that once that you lived. You will. The second is, don't worry about tomorrow, just live today. Now, in some contexts, it's good advice. But in some contexts, it's terrible. In the context that Jesus meant, where take no thoughts, don't be worried, good advice. But in the context of throw caution to the wind, today is only, um, tomorrow is not promised. Today, so you are only in today, live for today. It's bad advice. And it's bad advice because when a, a driver wants to set out, I wanted to use downfall. But I realized that in this city, you guys don't have such. So some of you don't even know what it is. If you don't know what downfall is, genuinely raise your hand. Okay, so you all know. Okay, great. But when a driver, if you, if you enter 
along. And the he's to take you somewhere. The man doesn't put everybody in the car. Then he starts going. Where are we going? Let's just see. Let's take it a quarter mile at a time. Till the next traffic light. When we get to that traffic light, we'll decide where we're going to. You will drive around Abuja. <laughs> right? You enter the vehicle because there's a clear destination. I'm going to Maraba. I'm going to Lube. I'm going to... So this is the vehicle that will take me there. Aha. Uh-huh. So why do we live life <laughs> the other way? Without a sense of where we are going to. Without a sense of destination. Without a sense of purpose. There's something that purpose does in your life. And, and I'm speaking like this because now I'm, I, I've followed PSK's teaching um, um, through the month. And she's done a great job. But there's a way church people receive messages. We, we oftentimes just come to the church and let the message make us feel good. Do you get what I'm saying? So, how that message Omo, it was powerful. But that's where it ends. Do you know that it doesn't matter what you have? If you don't know that you have it, or you don't use what you have, you will never benefit from it. Are we together? Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what you have. If you don't know that you've got it, or you don't put it to use, you never benefit from it. So, you have parents, for instance, that have wonderful smartphones. Wonderful smartphones. They can check. Now, it's less, this phenomenon is less. But when smartphones just became a thing, you know, when the BlackBerry was a thing, then we transitioned from the BlackBerry to whatever Android or iOS device you use. Your mom will be holding a BlackBerry in her hand. She needs to check something on the internet. And she will say she's going to the cyber cafe. That BlackBerry has connections. Am I saying the truth? Because yes, it doesn't matter what you have. If you don't know that you have it, and you don't put it to good use, it won't produce in your life. And many Christians don't understand that God's design for the Christian life is not miracles. It's the word of God. Your life is not supposed to run on the miraculous. Your problems are not supposed to be solved by miracles. Your problems are supposed to be solved by the word of God. Every now and again, a miracle will now happen to aid the process. But the problems are supposed to be solved by the word of God. So for instance... When people ask about direction, what do I do with my life? What do I do next? Should I travel? Should I stay? They often expect a spectacular answer. So a man of God is preaching. Say, who is? I'm seeing a name in the atmosphere. I'm seeing Jazzy. Who is Jazzy? Say, I'm Jazzy, sir. Say, stand up. Why am I seeing you in Canada? Say, sir, that's the word. Sir, how did you know? Prophesy, Papa. That's what they expect. That's what many people expect. 
But many times, and, and this is why many times it will seem like God is silent on the prayer that you are praying. Because many times there is a system of thinking that the word of God should have created in your mind that will help you make that decision. I think it was E.W. Kenyon that said that God gave us a brain to give him rest. So, sometimes the answer to your question is not really God, show me a vision. The answer to your question is in a system of thinking that has been influenced by the word of God. Do you get what I'm saying? Does it make sense? So, how we receive and accept and keep the word of God matters. So don't just come on a Sunday morning and hear a word and be like, hmm, if you see the word, ah, that's the end. You've gone home. It's in your church notes. But the word never made the leap from the church notes to your mind. Many of the answers you are looking for are in your church notes. Open your church notes. Every now and again, revisit your church notes. Open it. Go back. What was I taught? What did he say? What were the striking things that he said to me? And then, because as the word of God is going, the man of God will say something striking. He say, mm, you write it down. Now, you've written it down. You've left it. You've gone home. Are you with me? You've gone home. Now, you've forgotten about the things you wrote. But if you will just go back, and revisit those things, you'll find an answer to questions you were looking for. Praise Jesus. So the Bible says, where there is no vision, my people perish. Which means that without an understanding of purpose, life has no meaning. Without an understanding of purpose, there is no use to life. If there is no vision for where your life is going to, there's no point to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Purpose gives you a sense of fortitude for the future. It gives you a sense of fortitude for the future. What does that mean? It means I may not know exactly what is inside tomorrow. I may not know exactly um, what I'll be doing in three years' time, in four years' time, but I know one thing for sure. Whatever I will be doing then will be in line with purpose. So I can rest assured that there is a certainty, some level of certainty in my life with respect to um, what my tomorrow will look like. Do you get what I'm saying? Good. So, purpose gives you a sense of fortitude for the future. And when you know this, when you know this, um, like it gives you this sense of assurance for tomorrow, it will influence your decisions. But there's something else I want to talk about today, and it is how your mentality generally affects your decisions. It's a very simple conversation. Many of you will be like, duh, we already know that. 
But please stay with me and listen. There's so much you need to learn. I put up, I do, I do these Instagram reels. So I did one where I said, have we noticed that we're gradually turning into our parents? You're gradually turning into your mom or your dad. Have you, have you done something? You're like, that's something my father would do. Or you say something, you're like, mm, I sound like my mom. Uh, this is why. The mind is in a clean slate until written upon. When it is written upon, it will act out based on the things that have been written on it. Are we together? So, this is the, the beauty of mentality. It won't matter whether the person that wrote that thing on your mind is around you. Once, it's like a program. Once you are in a situation that demands that thing, you will respond in that way. I, do you get what I'm saying? Once you are in a situation that demands that thing, you respond in that way. So, <laughs> there are many decisions that you will make now, and you are making them because of how you've been conditioned to think. There's such a thing. There's something called, please, I, I, I'm not saying, I'm saying this with all sense of humility. I'm not trying to do, um, be derogatory to anyone. But there's something called the poverty mentality. The poverty mentality. A lot of Nigerians have it. A lot. Like, see, I'm not saying this because I have money. I really don't. I'm saying this because it's not about whether you have... There are many rich Nigerians that have poverty mentality. It is, it's a thing. When you see, when you see a... For instance, this one will sound very um, divisive or it will sound very controversial. But when you see a woman that is always saying eh, my husband must make XYZ amount of money. It doesn't matter how comfortable the man is. If he has not hit this amount I can't marry him. It's poverty mentality. There's a part of her that thinks that she can't make that amount of money. So somebody else needs to make it for her. Poverty mentality. I'm sorry, you may not agree with me. This is my opinion, and it's okay. <laughs> and and this thing influences how we behave. See, you will go to the market. Mm? They will tell you this is 800 naira. Now, when you were going to the market, you thought it was one two. But you know Nigerians now. If they tell you it's 800, first of all, first rule of marketing, being in the market, is to pretend like it's, it's too much. 800. How dare you? You thought it was one, two. 800. I, I'm going somewhere else. So. <laughs> now, you walk down to the end of the market and buy it for 750. Is it 50 naira that was like that trek from there to there? Was it worth 50 naira? You couldn't give up the 50 naira to save that time. <laughs> Something that you budgeted for one, two, it came lower than your budget. Say, so, now I saved money. You didn't. <laughs> 50 naira has no value in our economy. So you did not save anything. Could have just bought it. 
say, no, you're talking like that because you have money. No. What's the point? <laughs> Dr. Sam Ademi was talking about how <laughs> you have people who use time to save money. And you have people who use money to save time. He said, the ones that use time to save money have a poor mindset. <laughs> Two people. <laughs> this thing, it plays out. See, poverty mentality is not about having money. It's a mindset. You may have money and still have it. It plays out to two people. You have an interview in another city, in another place. The both of you can afford a plane ticket. The two of you can afford a plane. Like, you can both afford it. It's not like if you have to suffer. No, you can afford it. You can bring it out and pay it. Person A. Uh-uh. Why do I need... How... Why should I fly when if I enter God is good? I will still get there that same day. And, and I will only pay 12000 If I fly, it's 45000 I will save 33000 naira. Another person says, you know what? I will just fly so that I will get there. I will settle down and prepare for the interview. Now, this is the interesting thing. Even if the, the one that is flying picks a certain airline that is notorious for always delaying their flight. <coughs> if, if the person picks that airline and they start postponing the person's flight from morning till evening, he will still get here before the other person. Now, the interview is tomorrow. You arrive, let's say you're coming to Lagos to Abuja. Nothing happened, there were no hitches. The first person took his flight in the morning, landed here, 10 a.m., 11, went to where he was staying. Because the two of you will still pay hotel bills. So it's not like you are still going to lodge. So he went to his hotel, paid, rested, went out, saw the beauties of the city, came back, cleared his mind for the interview. The other one entered Lagos around 9. By the time he entered, he just ate and slept. The first one had more time to prepare for the interview than the other. So the one that used time to save money has lost time and money because he may lose that interview. So you get to the interview place, you are now like, so what's happening? And they ask you questions, you are fidgeting, you are not prepared. The other one has calmed himself down. Your mentality really does affect your decisions. It does affect, and your decisions will determine the outcome of your life. <laughs> Are we together? In Proverbs 23, verse 7, the Bible says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You are a sum total of the way your mind works. And it takes courage to change that mindset. Because as I'm saying this poverty mentality thing, some people are saying, ah, Loki, maybe I have this thing. Oh. <laughs> but are you going to work on it? Are you going to change it? No. Ah, it has saved me money. Money is not everything. Do you know what is interesting though? <laughs> 
I think the poverty mentality costs more. It's expensive. It's an expensive mindset to have. This is not a preaching on money or poverty mentality. But I'm here, so let's just ride this wave. It's expensive. So, for instance, you see a person, you live on your own. You say, I want to cook. For a long time, some people would say, just buy a stove because you don't have the money to buy gas. Do you know how expensive kerosene is? Do you know that per liter, kerosene is more expensive than gas? It is, yes, it is. Per liter, kerosene is more expensive than gas. One. Two, gas is more economical than kerosene because it cooks faster. So, you buy a stove, <laughs> you buy kerosene, then start suffering. <laughs> because you want to save money. <laughs> so, the mentality, the poverty mentality... It's not really, I don't have enough money. The poverty mentality is, I've not reached that level where I'll be doing some certain things. But it's not about level, it's just, which is wiser. <laughs> it takes courage to break out of a certain mental model. May God give us courage. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so if God wants to change a man's life, God will start by giving that man the right mentality. He will start by giving that man the right mentality. So God wants to change Abraham's life. At this time, he didn't even have a son or a daughter, no child. And God says, come with me. Come outside. Look at the sand by the seashore. Count it. Abraham says, it's innumerable. And then God says, that's how many your children will be. Look at the stars in the sky. Count. I can't count them. That's how many your children will be. And so, God began to walk on Abraham by changing the way his mind works. Now, this is not a motivational speaking session. I'm still teaching on purpose. Because if God is going to give your life a meaning, he will first of all start by changing the way your mind works. We live in a society that is value-driven. And value is good. The only problem is a lot of people only know one type of value, which is economical value. Are you with me? But there are other things that matter more that we can't perceive. Think of John chapter 6, where Jesus, you know what, let's read, let's read some portions of scripture. John chapter 6 verse 5, we're going to read from verse 5 to 15. John chapter five, um, 6 from verse 5. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6. And then, and this he said to prove to him, for he knew what he would do. Verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter, saith unto him, 
verse 9. There is a lad here. Listen, I want to show you something. Mentality is powerful. Go back two verses. Philip answered, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Two verses later, Peter answered, there is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fish. Jesus said, where can we buy bread? One person's mindset is, if you, you know all those motivational speakers, if you get a product that sells 1,000, you sell it to 1,000 people in a month, you'll be making 1 million. By the end of the year, you're making 12 million. Take that 12 million, put it back inside the business, start selling 4,000. You know how they talk? That's exactly what um, Philip did. Where can we get bread? Oh, if we take 200,000 naira, 200,000 naira worth of bread will not even feed these people. Jesus didn't ask, how much bread do we need to buy? Jesus said, where can we get bread? Don't tell me. And I heard a man of God say this one time, and it changed my life. Listen, many times we want to control every narrative with respect to the way God does his things in our lives. So God tells you, he will show you a vision of a life of prosperity. And you think, or God will tell you, there is favor coming your way. And what you are expecting is that somebody will just come and say, take this money. You hear my dream. Take and go. But God is asking you to open up your mind to the possibilities of the leading of his spirit. That he can tell you, see this business, start it. See this one, go there. But you don't dictate for God how God will do what he needs to do. It's a mentality thing. One person is thinking in terms of accounting. We don't have enough loaves of bread. Enough money to buy the loaves. Another person says, there is a little lad that brought five loaves and two fish. You know that when that guy's mother was packing the basket for him, she didn't pack it for him to feed 5,000 people. She packed it for his lunch. It was his lunch. I'm going out. Jesus is teaching. Eh, hey, you have been there for long. Oh, yeah, take. So that if you're hungry in the afternoon, you will eat five loaves. Now, when you think five loaves, don't think your full loaf of bread. A loaf of bread then was about yay big. It was small like this. So five loaves, five of that, and two fish. And Peter, and this is what distinguished Peter from everyone else. Peter, in spite of the insurmountable odds, said, there's a, there's a young boy that has five loaves and two fish. You know that if that was a, a general board meeting in our time, that the CEO is asking, so how do we, the 5,000 people, how do we feed them? Where do we get bread from? Of course, the accountant is saying, well, we have about 600,000 in our account. But even if we buy 600,000 worth of bread, it won't feed all these people. Then one person in the back now says, ah, I brought bread to work. (laughs) 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 
But that's what Peter sounded like. <laughs> I brought bread to the office. <laughs> Even if you brought a full loaf of bread to the office, which you didn't, how is that important to us? Same mindset. <laughs> Next verse. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Next verse. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples to them um, that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain and nothing be lost. Verse. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten, verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophets that should come into the world, verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. So like Nigerians, they saw that this man could turn five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 people. You have solved an economic crisis. Think about it. It's just all they need to do. We don't even need to have manufacturers again. They just bring loaves of bread to your house. Just lift it, Father. Thank you. Start sharing. The full nation is taken care of. Oh. Full nation. So they start to make him king. But that's not the point I want to make. Look at verse 25. We're going to read a series of scriptures now as the story progresses. 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? 26. Jesus answered them and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Why do you seek after God? What was, I'm still speaking to this mentality thing because we've taught you the purpose of your life is to know God and make him known. But why do you want to know God? Jesus said, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles. Because if you were seeking Jesus for the miracles, that is, you saw the miracles and believed in him, it's even much better. You seek me because you ate bread and you were filled up. Your stomach is full. You have satisfied your fleshy appetites. So many of us want to turn God into some way that our flesh is always satisfied. Say, I'm trying to know God. But what is driving your desire to know God is to satisfy the flesh. A transactional mindset. If I get to know God, I won't suffer again. Life with Christ, no, life without Christ is full of crisis. So I must have Christ so I don't go into crisis. Jesus said, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. 27. Labor not, say labor not. Labor not, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Labor not. 
So, Jesus is trying to reshape their mindset. Notice, he gave them bread. They sought to make him king. They sought to make him king, not because he walked a miracle and, and they were like, oh, this is the son of God. No, because he was a bread bringer or bread winner. <laughs> you get, right? Because he brought bread. And Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you. For him hath God the Father sealed. 35 now, 35, 35, not 28, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst, 36. But I said unto you that you have that, um, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Next verse. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. 39. And this is the Father's will which he had sent me, that all of which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. So Jesus is teaching now. Are you with me? Jesus is trying to draw their mind away from the bread that he gave them to eat to the bread that he is. That is the food that gives salvation, everlasting life. He says, and I will raise him up on the last day, 41. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread. <laughs> Every other thing he said after this, that time he said, I'm the bread which came from heaven. Every other thing he said, they didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. So, I can imagine what's going on. They've all, they're all sitting together. Right? Jesus has turned five loaves, you know, and two fish to feed all of them. They've eaten, they're full. They're like, Jesus, Alpha, let's make you king. He runs away. They pursue him. They catch him. Say, so you chase me because I gave you bread and you are full. Say, but don't see, I'm the bread that came from heaven. So they're like, sir, wait, wait. All these things you are saying is not necessary. Will you give us bread or not? Their minds were stuck on the bread. If you read further verses, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Everyone who eats my flesh will have everlasting life. The Bible says the Jews were then angry that he said that he should eat, they should eat his flesh. Even though they most likely knew he was speaking figuratively. But no. Will you give us bread or not? And the Bible says that day they left him, all of them, except the twelve. Do you know how terrible a pastor you must be? That your church grew by 5,000 in one day. And you lost all 5,000 the next day. Like you come to church Sunday morning, 5,000 people. Next Sunday, twelve. If God will change your life, you must change the way you think. This is why the teaching of God's word is important. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is why it's important. The miracles are the icing on the cake. The word itself is the cake. If we don't have God's word, we will suffer. You will, your mind will never change enough to sustain the changes you want to see in your life. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? And so, if we are, our lives will mean something, if our lives will count for something, we must start, we must develop the courage to change the way our minds work. We must develop the courage to say, maybe I have my attention set on the wrong things. Maybe I've focused on the things that don't matter for too long. Just maybe. Because if your life, if your life will mean something, it will mean something based on what you have chosen to make the center of your life, what you have chosen to focus on. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me be real with you. Nobody whose life revolves around money Hmm? finds satisfaction. Nobody. By virtue of the fact that you will never have enough money, the richest people are looking for money. Are we together? Is that true? They are still, in fact, the richest people are some of the greatest hustlers. They have so much money, they are looking for, like, you, you hear some interesting things. Say taxes. How much is your tax? Is it's an amount that you can part with yearly and nothing will happen to you. You spend it on other frivolous things. You buy a car worth the amount that your tax should be. Right? But you are always looking for how to avoid or evade. I don't know which one is the legal one. To evade the tax. Because money, you will never find true satisfaction. Your mindset has to change for your life to start having a meaning. The meaning of life is, I don't know if PSK has done this teaching for you. Success does not guarantee satisfaction. Satisfaction doesn't come from abundance. Satisfaction comes from purpose. I'll explain it to you. Have you met someone that just likes to eat? They, they, they have I'm, I'm not calling anybody's name in particular but this person is um, TJ's dad but they have it's like they have uh, familiar spirits in their stomach that they share the food with like when they eat they will not do communion inside the stomach okay so food has come oh, let us share it's never enough Pastor Prince is not you I'm talking about I'm talking about TJ's dad it's not you See, if you are eating because the food is sweet, you will eat until you vomit. This is when that thing has happened to you before. You overfed, then you're not still throwing up. And all of you have self-control like that. Wow. It has not happened to me too, Shah, but I've seen it happen to some people. You will eat and eat and eat and eat. But if you are eating because you are hungry, when you are no longer hungry, you stop eating. So satisfaction is not derived by how much you have eaten. It's derived by why you started eating in the first place. 
Do you get it? Does it make sense? If you are traveling, you are going by road. Say you are traveling to another city. Say you are going from Lagos to Abuja, which they would lie that is 12 hours, but usually takes 14 to 16 hours, give or take. This is factoring in or without any interference of um, headsmen. So now, <laughs> you are traveling 14 to 16 hours. Now you've been on the road for a long time and they told you, ah, this journey will take 12 hours. You don't watch your wristwatch. Say, we left by 6. Once it's 6 p.m., say, stop. Say, why? We are there. <laughs> because it's not by how much you have been on the road. If I've not gotten to where I'm going to, I'm not satisfied. So satisfaction, true satisfaction, and eventually meaning, doesn't come from abundance. It comes from purpose. So now, 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 do you understand then why no amount of money will be enough for the man who hasn't defined why he's making money? No amount. If you are chasing money for money's sake, it will never be enough. When I was doing my NYSC, I gave this thing some serious thoughts. I said, if at all I want to chase money, how wealthy do I want to be? These were the parameters I ended with. As long as I can partner with the local church for the gospel to spread, one, and live comfortably with my family, I have enough money. You will be the richest man in the world. Why? Why? Ever asked yourself why? Why? Nobody that has a sense of purpose runs after that ambition. Nobody. There is, there is an amount of negligence you will have to give yourself over to to fulfill that ambition nobody becomes the richest man in the world by giving money out though. do you know <laughs> say ah you have not paid your school fees see me on Monday <laughs> say you want a car see me next tomorrow what's today's date see me end of the month I will get you one no they hoard the money some of them are ruthless businessmen. Not even some. All of them are ruthless businessmen. One, try to acquire um, <laughs> one company. That company said no. If you, if you understand what I'm saying, you understand. That company said no. Then he decided that every application he has will have the features that that company builds their product on. Put stories everywhere. If you know, you know. Ruthless business behavior. Without a sense of purpose, satisfaction can never be derived. So if you will be satisfied with your life, it's not, see, some of us think that we will be satisfied with life when we are driving the car that is the car of our dreams. Let me tell you something. When I was, there's this car that I loved when I was in my NYC as I just finished. It was this Toyota Venza. For some weird reason, I really loved that car. 
like I just liked the way it looked, the way it moved. Like I, I wasn't fascinated with all the bends and G wagon. I, I just liked that car. Now, the car I drive is better. Thank God. Hallelujah. But there's another car that I now like. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way life works so don't think that you will find meaning and satisfaction when you get everything you've ever wanted because where you are now was once what you wanted before are you satisfied now it is purpose purpose that gives a sense of meaning and satisfaction so now <laughs> there's another car that's entering my eye but from the beginning, I had set my mind on, I'm not buying a car to have a flashy car. I'm buying a car for mobility's sake, for functionality, and for comfort. So if the car I'm driving now gives me comfort, is functional, and I can move, I'm fine. I'm fine. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I get the opportunity to get another one and it's not going to take me out of the way, all right, get another one. But I am not going to leave every time I enter my car, I say, I need to change this car. I need to change. That's Now, substitute car for job for some of you. Substitute it for many of the things you do. If you don't have a purpose for your life, you don't know why your life is running the way it's running. There are many things that you will keep, do, you, will, you will be in a rat race. Do you know why that thing is called a rat race? So um, I asked this one in, in the Lagos church last week and many of them did not know. How many of you saw the cartoon series Pinky and the Brain? Raise your hand. Gen Z's have left the room. Okay, not all Genesis. Some of them saw the cartoon. But if you saw the cartoon series, there was always this wheel that I think it was Pinky that was always running. Or was it Brain? One of them was always running in that, in that wheel. A lot of activity was being done, but no progress was made. That's what the rat race is. There's a lot of activity being done, but no progress is made. And no progress is made because there's no general direction. No sense of purpose. Hallelujah. Jesus truly gives your life a meaning. Because, you know when we sing that song, nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you are the cup that won't run dry. When we sing that song, we don't understand what we are saying. We are saying that we will never find meaning in anything that this world has to offer. What is life? It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. Ha, ha, <laughs> God. Did you ever have a relative that was so rich, had so much money, you believed that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can harm this guy. And he came down with an illness that not, not, no amount of money he had could solve. Then he passed. Now, while we are sad, oh, he was such a great guy, he shouldn't have passed. 
you know what would have been lovely if we take some time to think what's the meaning of life if Jesus will affect your life he must first change your mindset and the first thing Jesus wants to change your mindset to is that he must be at the center of your life you stop seeking Jesus for the bread he gives and you seek him for the bread that he is do you hear me You're seeking for the bread that he is. He said, I am the bread of life. So I'm not coming to you because you are going to give me this day my daily bread. If at all I'm collecting any daily bread, it's you. You are my daily bread. Let Jesus affect your mindset. Now, some other things I want to say before I close. Let me give you a few thoughts on success. Because generally, a sense of purpose, it doesn't just affect how you live your Christian life. It also affects how you live your secular life. Listen, when you understand that my purpose is to make Jesus known, then you can now start having an ambition for a selfless cause. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, you know how um, some people have ambitions for a selfish cause. So for instance, you are using a good iPhone, the next one comes out, now we're going to get that one. So you start saving money, you start pushing start to get the next one. When you have a sense of purpose, you start having an ambition for a selfless cause. Success becomes non-negotiable in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Success. And I'm not talking about spiritual success now. I'm talking about success in material things becomes non-negotiable in your life because you understand that my success has a purpose. There is a contribution that my success must make to God's general design. Do you get this? So, the money God is giving me is not my own. It's not just for me. Do you hear me? The successes I'm seeing, they're not just for me. And so, I'm going to give account. There's a sense of accountability that purpose, a mindset of purpose gives you. That if somebody, if, if, if I gave um, this man of God this book for a reason, I say, use this book to do X, Y, Z. Take. The next time I see him, He's, he knows I'm going to ask, did you use the book to do what I asked? Do you get it? There is a, a, a sense of accountability that a knowledge of purpose gives you. That God put me on this earth for a reason. First and foremost, Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive all glory and honor for thou hast created all things for your pleasure. So God created me for his pleasure. What is his pleasure? To see all men saved. First and foremost. So, if God is giving me resources, it is for all men to be saved. And he, all men, not some men. 
If God is making me prosper, it is for all men to be saved. If God is giving me time, it is for all men to be saved. My time is for God. My money is for God. My, my, my relationships are for God. And when I stand before him, I'm going to give account. I, I give you at some point in your life, between when you finished NYC and you got your first job, you're not doing anything. You had time. What did you use the time to do? What are you going to say to him? God, you know, in that period, I really wanted to go out and reach out to people and get them saved and established in a local church. But I was depressed. Because ah, times are tough. Listen, no matter how valid your excuses are, when you stand before him, they no longer become valid. Has it ever happened that you did something, say for instance, you fought with someone in school and at the time you were fighting, you were sure you were fighting for a righteous cause. That's how dare you. Maybe they insulted your parents. Say no, you cannot drag my family name in the mud. I will defend my family's honor. Now you start fighting. You have fought. They've carried you to principal's office. They now call your dad whom you were defending. Your father now starts to ask you, why were you fighting? Then your excuse now starts, you know, you can't, you can't say it again because it does not make sense again. In the moment, it made sense, but you know, is that's how many of our excuses will be before God. When God says, I gave you this, how did it influence the gospel in your time? You say, God, you know. Uh, it won't make sense, no matter how valid it is now. So some things you need to know about success. Number one. Just, this is just general advice because for some people, you, you have a sense of purpose and you genuinely want to live out your life for God. But there are some things that are hindering you. So the first thing I'll say is every time you see someone doing something that you know you were born to do. What you see should do two things to you. Number one, it should be a picture of possibilities to you. And number two, it should inspire you to go out and do it. Let me explain myself. For instance, you hear of a young entrepreneur that is making waves, doing business right, making money. Now, as a man of purpose that knows, I, I need to make money for the kingdom. I need to sponsor God's work. I need to, then, of course, my own personal life too. A man of purpose that has that mindset. When you see someone like that, don't separate and put that person on the pedestal. Which is the natural instinct that many of us have. You say, that one is them. I have not reached that level yet. No, that person should be to you a picture of possibilities. If they can, then I can. Please never, never let that leave you. If they can, then I can. If this person is doing well in business, 
then I can't do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then number two, it should inspire you. The problem is many of us are jealous of people that should be inspiring us. It should inspire you. There is... When the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Many, many people, the first thought we have is sexual sins. Let's not lie. It's sexual sins. And there's that. But there is also resisting the devil when he comes with the voice of jealousy. Resisting the devil when he comes with the voice of opposition. Resisting the devil when he comes with the voice of um, uncertainty and negativity. That you see someone doing well. And instead of you to say, oh, if he's doing it, I can do it. How do I learn from this person and get it? You start saying, who does he think he is? Why is he always fronting his success? Who you should learn from? Well, God wants to change your mindset. And God can, listen, when it comes to succeeding in earthly things. You know, we think God respects our predispositions towards other people. So, you don't like this man. So, God will not use him to teach you a lesson. In fact, God that I know has a very, very, very good sense of humor. Because it's the person you don't like, you ask you to look at him. Learn X, Y, Z from him. Are you with me? So, advice number one on success. When you see someone doing something you know you were born to do, number one, see a picture of possibility. I went, I went one time to Canaan land. I walked around Canaan land and I said, if God by one man can set up a sanctuary, a safe space for Christians in the world, I would do it. I would do it. In Canaan, the place runs well. See, learn to learn to see a picture of possibilities in other people's undertakings. It will teach you boldness. Do you get what I'm saying? It will teach you boldness. It will teach you boldness. This man did it. Ah, I can't do it. It may take me time. I may have to deaden a lot of things. You know, take care of some appetites, but I will do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, Number two. Every time fear and doubt hinders you from moving in the direction that God will have you moving, you miss the things that God has for you. Can I teach you a, a, a hack? How you grow out of fear and doubt. Number one, you won't. You won't grow out of fear and doubt. They will be with you. You know how the Bible said, I rod and I staff, they comfort me. <laughs> Consistently there before you. You know, the enemies, the presence of mine is fear and doubt. Part of it, I'm just joking. But. Fear and doubt will be there at all times. Whenever, and, and this is why. 
God has God-sized visions. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let that sink in for a moment. God has God-sized visions. So when God is telling you to do something, he is not seeing it from your angle. He's seeing it from his own perspective. You, you have man-sized visions. <laughs> there was a valley of dry bones. Ezekiel stands before the valley of dry and then God says, son of man, can these bones live again? I like Ezekiel's answer. Ezekiel said, see, you are God. You know the end. Because if I tell you what is really in my heart, <laughs> how do you see it? dry bones? That is, they've been there, they have decayed, they are dry. And he said, prophesy to the wind. The bones joined one to another. Flesh and sinew came together and an army was born from dry bones. God has God-sized visions. So, there is a man, a king, that's trying to raise an army by conscripting all the 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds in his nation till they all form a mighty army and they are being trained. And in one breath, God raises an army from dry bones. That's why there will always be fear and doubt. <laughs> that God will, of all the people that God can send to liberate a nation, he picks one that stammers. One that cannot hold a full statement properly. <laughs> and he says, go and tell Pharaoh, listen, sometimes when we read the Bible, we, we don't see what is happening. Pharaoh was world ruler at the time. There's nobody today that exemplifies Pharaoh. No, no, no president, no king, nobody today that had or has now the amount of power Pharaoh had at the time. At the time, Egypt was, it was the civilization everybody wanted to mirror. So Pharaoh that sat, he was a god to his people. That was why that statement, I have made you a god to Pharaoh, was a powerful statement. Because Pharaoh was considered a god. He was one of the gods they worshipped. Then you, you ran away from the palace. You ran, you went to hide. Then after how many years, God tells you with your stammering tongue, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. <laughs> Say audacity. <laughs> One of the things that working with God will imbibe in you is audacity. Like you will have, that, like Peter you couldn't stand before a 12-year-old and give a testimony of Jesus. <laughs> but the day the Holy Ghost came, Peter stood before 5,000 people and said, we are not drunk as you suppose because it's only the ninth hour of the day. Preached well. When he finished preaching, they said, men and brethren, what do we do? He said, good, now repent. Audacity, boldness. So anytime fear and doubt hinders you, 
you miss out on what God has for you. So a hack, number one, pray in tongues well. I believe strongly that one of the ministries of the Spirit is the boldness to do the work of God. The boldness to do the work of God. So pray in tongues well. God tells you, go and do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Make it a lifestyle to pray well before you undertake certain things. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't just submit that proposal. Pray in tongues. Cook it well. Then go and drop it. Don't just go and talk to that person. Pray in tongues well. Do you hear what I'm saying? Number two, have a system of accountability around you. Have a system of accountability. See, my friends know me. If you come and tell me, God said I should do X, Y, Z. Ah, you will do it too. You will do it. You must do it. I will keep asking until we do it. You can't run away. You can't say, I'm afraid. No. You will do it. Have a system of accountability. People you can reach out to and say, I believe the Lord will have me do this. They'll say, ah, okay, how are, when are we starting? But never let fear and doubt stop you from doing what God said you should do. Never. Oh my God. I have so many stories. Never. A popular man of God reached out to me. We were friends. So he asked me, how much do you pay, you know, on our fifth anniversary? So we're talking about ministry things. And then he was like, congratulations on five years. How has it been? I said, well, it's been interesting. He said, I noticed that you use this kind of hall for your meetings. How much do you pay? I told him the amount. And he said, you are bold. <laughs> you are bold. <laughs> I, I know it. <laughs> And when it comes to things of God, naturally, I don't dare things. My natural, I don't, if it does not make sense, I'm not doing it. Let me tell you how far I've gone. You know that crypto wave that was moving around? I don't know what cryptocurrency is about. I don't know how it works. I never invested. Because <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't used to try new things. But when it comes to God's instructions, God said I should do it. I'll die on that mountain. I'll die on that mountain. Because the capital to go is God's instruction. Many of us think that God will give us an instruction that he will now bring the money. No. The resources you need are inside that instruction. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Do it. Like Peter, there's a boat Jesus is walking on water. Peter says, if it is you, bid me come. And then Jesus, Jesus says, come. Listen, it is an anomaly for man to walk on water. But when Jesus said, come, and Peter stepped out of the boat, because Jesus said, come, that instruction, it will make everything that needs to be available, available to carry Peter's weight. So if the water needed to congeal for Peter to walk on it, he'll walk on it. Why? Jesus said, come. 
So if God gives you an instruction, just, just go. Are you with me? Just go. Don't let fear and doubt stop you. As you are going, there will be fear in your heart. See, Peter stepped out of the boat into the water. Then he saw the waves and he began to sink. But he stepped out. Do you understand what I'm saying? He stepped out. Just go. What if I fail? That's all that will happen. So go. You won't die. <laughs> you won't die. Do you know that even when it comes to the things of the Spirit, these are the principles. A man who is timid cannot walk in the things of the Spirit. <laughs> there, there is an amount of boldness that you must have that you see a man that has not walked since he was born. Let me tell you something. There is a world record right now of a guy whose right hand has been up, I think for the last three years now. His right hand has been up. Now, because he doesn't use that hand, it has emaciated. Like, it's like bone. So when you see a person who hasn't walked from birth, their legs don't look like your own. It's like bone. So, now, this man is sitting on the floor. I, I, I. Peter passes and he says to Peter, give me something. And Peter looks at him and says, look at me. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I have, I will give you. In the name of Jesus Christ and walk. There's an amount of boldness you must have to speak like that. Do you hear what I'm saying? One of the things the Holy Ghost will teach you is boldness. See, audacity is a faculty in the school of the Spirit. One of the things he will teach you is boldness. To step out, to get it done. Say, look at me. Hey, God. <laughs> Do you know that? <laughs> Even me, as far as bold as I am, I won't say, look at me. I will say, can I try something? Can I, can I try something? No! Look at me. I don't have money, but I'm about to change your life. In the natural, you are modest when people ask you, how, how are you doing? They say, ah, now God do, is God. In the realm of the spirits, you, it's not modesty. It's pride to not proclaim who you are. Do you get what I'm saying? In the realm of the spirit, you say who you are. Do, do you hear me? You say who you are. You, you, I. It, it's a nice thing to not brag physically. But when it comes to spiritual matters, I am the righteousness of God. I am the called of God. God sent me. Ah, you say it boldly. Never let fear and doubt stop you from obeying God. Amen? Amen. Number three. The goal is to live a life of purpose. And because the goal is to live a life of purpose, we have no finish line until we see Jesus. Because the goal is to live a life of purpose, we have no finish line until we see Jesus. 
which means we keep pushing. We keep at it. Remember, I told you, satisfaction does not come from abundance. Say, I've been following God all these 30 years. I think it's time for me to rest. No. No. Like the popular psalmist said, no holiday for Imagodi. You are not resting. You are not, there's no rest for you. We are following this thing. We are following this thing with all our hearts till the day we die. Till my dying breath. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus will be on my lips till my dying breath. Because purpose, see, the goal is to live a life of purpose. Jesus is the purpose. So till the day we see him, we're not done. Remember the story I told you about traveling? You don't say, ah, I've traveled 12 hours, I've tried. No. <laughs> it's when you get to where you're going to that you have tried. Praise the Lord. So there will be something new that we are doing. There will always be something we are doing for the Lord. The Lord will always have new instructions. Listen, look at men like Daddy Kumui. Look at men like Daddy Adeboe. At 80, the Lord is asking you to hold crusades around the country. You would think that, ah, he's old enough, he should rest now. There's no rest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's no rest. At 80, we are bouncing in the Lord. 100, we are, the day we die, that's when we rest. <laughs> Paul said, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Because the day we die, I will now finally rest. But as long as I'm alive, oh, Christ, Christ, Christ. Christ rules everything around me. Hallelujah. Point number four. Purpose works best when we have a sense of accountability. Purpose works best when we have a sense of accountability. When you know I'm going to answer to someone. I'm going to give account for my life. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give account for the actions and for the things that I've been given. When I have that knowledge, there's a way I will steward the things I've been given. Are you with me? You know, you know a student knows why he's in school when you see the way he lives in school. Are we together? When you see a person that all they do is play around, gallivant, they're not making any headway. Like just, you've forgotten why you came to school. In the same way, we can tell that you know why you are alive when we see a sense of accountability in your actions. How can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? How? Hallelujah. Finally, <laughs> purpose and purpose pushes you to embrace risk. Purpose pushes you to embrace risk. Purpose pushes you to embrace risk. In your life, you must have, like Esther, you must have, if I die, I die moments. You must. 
say this is the next step I'm supposed to take. And at this point, I don't have a certainty of success, but I will take it. If I die, I die. When you have a sense of purpose, you realize it's okay to take risks. As long as it is based on what God has asked me to do, I will take that risk. Purpose pushes you to take risk. If I die, I die. Do you know, the interesting thing is, many times, we have if I die, I die moments. All die and I die moments. You know, we have those moments. There's a girl you've been eyeing, and for a while, you've been calculating how to talk to her. One day, you reach a place where you tell yourself, see, what's the worst that can happen? You just all die and I die, I'm going. <laughs> you go in for it. And if God blessed you, she said yes. Right? For some people, all die and I die, this iPhone, I will buy it. <laughs> when will you say things like that for the things of God? When? When? When will you say, all die and I die, this gospel will preach it? Oh, God said I should preach to this person. I've been... I've been looking at the person since. Oh, all die and I die. I'll go and talk to the person. The person can. What they'll do is they'll beat me. I'll be fine. <laughs> when? These are the issues. <laughs> all die and I die. My salary, I will give for. I will give for the gospel. All die and I die. Purpose pushes you to embrace risk. Let me encourage you. Start living a life of meaning. Has Pesky taught you guys on sacrifice? Has she done the teaching on sacrifice? I think she will do that next week. I did that in the Lagos church last week. Listen, you should go and listen to that message. It's on, it's on YouTube. If you don't have a sense of sacrifice, because everything I've taught you today is encapsulated in a sense of sacrifice. When it's time to make a bold move, sometimes it will require sacrificing comfort. It will require sacrificing certainty. Certainty. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? I finished NYSE. I had a job. I had job offers lined up. God said, quit your job. Don't take any job. Focus on church. At the same time, go and get married. Will I go to my wife's people and say, ah, normally I have money, but I'm doing God's work now, so give me your daughter. That's not what's going to happen. Sometimes following God, not sometimes, every time, following God requires sacrifice. And if you don't, if you don't give yourself over to that kind of lifestyle, a man who gets everything he wants will never be satisfied. I've told you, satisfaction doesn't come from having everything you want. A man 
there's a, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes from sacrificing. First and foremost, there's a sense of satisfaction that comes from reading yourself sometimes of worldly pleasures to make other people happy. Not to, not to impress them, but to improve the quality of their lives. Do you understand? So, I earn a little salary and it takes a lot from me, but there's a young boy whose school fees I'm paying. There's a young girl whose school fees I'm paying. How much is her school fees? 10,000 naira for the, for the term. You know, before, you would say, if you vex, you can finish 10,000 naira in one day. Now, you don't need to vex. Just step out of your house like this. <laughs> to just... <laughs> right? That's somebody's school fees for a term. That means if you put your mind to it, you can pay her school fees. Do you hear what I'm saying? These are the things. You know a student that's in school around you. You know they're struggling with pocket money. 10,000 naira is not a lot, but you have it. It's a sacrifice, but take. Give your life a sense of meaning. Disconnect yourself from do you get what I'm saying? Finally, what of the gospel? Sponsor the gospel in your time. We've prayed now. The word of God will grow mightily and prevail in circle church. But there is a system of thinking that sponsored that growth in the book of Acts. They, none of them held anything that they had as their own. They shared everything equally. You know, in our generation, we're always arguing, should I give 10%? Why must we pay tight? If you want to go by the New Testament standard, New Testament standard is not 10%. It's everything. It's everything. Read the book of Acts. Everything. Ananias and Sapphira that, that died, you do know that it was 50% they brought you know that, right? That they, they sold the land and brought half. Not 10% too. <laughs> and we're still here arguing 10%. These things, aside from growing the local church, adding to helping the local church do the work of God, put the lights on and all of that, there is... The Lord instituted practices like that for our own growth. That, do you know that if God wants to tame your appetite, he tames it by taking away that thing that sponsors the lust. If God wants to tame your appetite for money, he will instruct you on givings. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So let me encourage you. Now, this week, Plan to live a life of purpose. Don't just plan, but actually live a life of purpose. Look around you. What can I contribute to? How can the gospel grow on my account? Some of you have never asked that question before. How can the gospel grow on my account? I don't have money to, to give. But I have friends that don't go to church. I will make it my life's mission. To see these people in church. How can the gospel grow on my account? 
Praise the Lord. Father, may we have the boldness to pursue a life of purpose. In the name of Jesus. May we have the courage to change our mindsets, to align with the way you think. In the name of Jesus. That last prayer is such a powerful prayer because God doesn't think the way we do. There was a man in the Bible, the Bible calls him the rich fool. He made a lot of profits. And like us, the man said, I've made profits. What I'm going to do is tonight, I will throw a party and celebrate a great harvest year. Then I would pull down my bands and build bigger bands so that I can store more. What did he do wrong? Isn't that what you will do? If your salary increases by times four now, you first of all celebrate the first, you know, the, when it increases, they tell you it has increased. You're like, ah, thank God. Though. The reality does not dawn on you until the first alert comes in. You were earning 250 before, your salary is 1 million now. The first alert drops. We first of all declare for boys. <laughs> Say, let's go and see a movie. Let's go and eat. Um, don't worry, bills on me. Am I saying the truth? Yes, then, your next natural thought is, oh, now that I have a lot of money, I have to be prudent with my savings. I need to increase my savings, invest some money. Am I saying the truth? So what did that man do wrong? Because that's exactly what we would have all done. That God now said, you fool. Your soul will be required of you tonight. He says, because you are not rich unto God. There is such a thing as being rich unto God. When God is not, your giving to God is not triggered only on Sunday morning. So, ah, offering. So, well, now that my salary is one million, I cannot be giving 200 naira offering. No. I'll give 1,000. 1,000. That's it. That's all. That's all we think about. That's the, that's the most God appears in your finances. There's no plan for, ah, the church said they need this. I have the resources now. I will help. Oh, let me buy Bibles. Or can I contribute to the people that come to church without church notes? Let me just print out plenty and give. Look for a way to let the gospel prosper on your account. It's a very simple thing I'm saying. And don't wait till you have so much. He that is little, um, he that is faithful in little, is not will be. The Bible didn't say he that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. He that is faithful in little is faithful in much. So how God judges what you will do with much is what you do with little. You know we think that God is not smart. We say God, try me. Just test me with one million now. But God will say, I have tested you already. I gave you 10,000. What do you do with it? Because to God, the tree is in the seed. Do you get it? If he has seen the seed, he has seen the tree. Amen. Amen. Pray that prayer with me. God, give me the courage to change my mind to think as you would think. Let my mind walk like your own. And let me live a life of purpose. I'll give you 10 seconds. Make that prayer with me.
In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Did you learn something this morning? Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.